Hello there. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. A fun, authentic fan experience. Featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the seen stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at ranchoobi-wan.org get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve sansui while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection ranchoobi-wan.org <laughs> This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. and welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast, the podcast brought to you by thesciencefictionary.com, where we discuss all things in the world of sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and superheroes in the world of pop culture. I'm Daniel, and joining me tonight are Marisha. Hey, everybody. And Andrew. What's going on, everybody? And David. hey All right, everybody. So, uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. But actually, before we really get started, I wanted to point out a couple things. Uh, it was kind of a rough week for fans of fantasy and comic books. We uh, actually lost Joseph Nutt a Thursday morning, actually. And a lot of people are not going to know that name. But you cannot overstate the importance of Joseph Nutt to the Silver Age of comics, uh, especially the Marvel age, what we discussed being from 1961 um, through the the mid 70s, and he was an artist from Marvel Comics who actually made his mark as an anchor. And I will just tell you, every iconic image from Marvel Comics from the Silver Age. There's a ninety percent chance Joseph Nutt inked it. Hmm. Um, when you think of the quintessential Jack Kirby artwork, I guarantee you Joe inked it. Hmm. Um, I don't know, and and Andrew can appreciate this as an artist. Uh, the importance of an anchor to the finished piece of artwork is incredibly underappreciated. Yeah. Uh, Joe was a very talented artist in his own right. His commission work in the 80s through the 90s is gorgeous and was very well sought after. And that stuff, he did his own layouts, he did his pencils, he did his inks. Um, But in published work, he did make his mark as an anchor. Stan Lee says, um, makes kind of an offended joke sometimes that 
the penciler's at Marvel Comic Comics would threaten him with all kinds of evil acts if they didn't let Joe, if he didn't let Joe ink their work. He's the only one they wanted. He made everybody look good. An inker's real talent lies in being able to accentuate what the penciler has put on paper. Mm-hmm. It can it, their ability to show to the fullest extent what the penciler had in mind and actually improve that piece is very important. And he was the absolute best at it. He's what takes it from a sketch to a comic book, huh? That's, that's it. That it's, it is the finished piece of black and white art. And he was the absolute best. There's a thing called the ink pot awards that Mm -hmm. honors the best anchors in comics. They have an ink pot hall of fame. The name of the Hall of Fame award is actually the Joe Sinut Hall of Fame award. Uh, I don't know how you get any more high praise than that. Yeah. Right. Um, he uh, inked Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. He inked Thor. He did issues of the Hulk. He did issues of Spider-Man. Every major comic book character Marvel Comics ever published, he's worked on it at some point. Um, he actually did retire from published work, I think in the late 80s, early 90s, but he actually continued doing the Amazing Spider-Man newspaper strip until 2019, just last year. He finally quit doing that just last year at the age of 90. Wow, Wow, that's unreal. Yeah, so uh, I just wanted to mention Joe uh, and hope that, you know, some people have some appreciation for his work, and mm-hmm. it, we've we've now lost the four. When I think of the Silver Age of Marvel Comics, the first four names come to mind are Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, um, Steve Ditko, and Joe Sinut, and mm-hmm. that just kind of closes that era for me. Mm-hmm. Me so too. I didn't I didn't want to start uh, without mentioning. Joe's passing, he he will be missed. We have lost a very talented artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, of course, more people will know is uh, Ian Holm. Yeah. Uh, I, I I posted on my Twitter, and I mean this, the man elevated every film he was ever in. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, for the topics we speak of in the world of sci-fi and fantasy, he gave us Ash from the original Alien. Right. Uh, Father Vito Cornelius in The Fifth Element, which is actually probably my favorite of his characters. I love that guy. Um, and, of course, he was Bilbo Baggins. Right. <laughs> so I know we all have stuff to say about that. He was a wonderful Bilbo. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, as much as yeah, as much as much Martin Freeman was a wonderful younger Bilbo, he was a perfect older Bilbo. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and I remember seeing him in the first Alien movie. He, he's fantastic in that. Like he just, I don't know. I can't even put it into words. He, he made that movie for me. That and the fact that Sigourney Weaver was so real in the same context on the opposite end of the spectrum. So was he, he was so believable hmm. in a role that could have been just poorly done. He elevated it. All right. Um, like I said, elevated every, film he was ever in so and he was in a lot of them (laughs) what's Uh, that and he was in a lot of them and he's got 137 acting credits 
So yeah. no, I, I I know we all probably have some thoughts on on Ian passing, but the, those are mine, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely going to to miss him as an actor. Knowing I'll never see another film with him in it is kind of disappointing. So yeah, well, we've kind of reached the point, you know, where I guess you know me and you are both forty. David's younger. Um, you know, Marisha's a few years younger, but you know, like when we were, when we were kids, the people that were dying were like the legends of the silver screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, except now, for Betty White and Olivia de Havilland who are going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Betty White's like Jeff Goldblum. She's not from this planet. Right. But now we're kind of at the point where we're, we're losing so many of the people that made the things we grew up with. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. tough, you know, it's, it's, and, and this was such a big one. I mean, if no, if you didn't know him from anything else, you knew him from the Hobbit. Oh yeah. And he, he was such a wonderful interpretation of, of Bilbo. Oh, he was, I mean, he was oh, just yeah. so he was perfect. I mean, yeah. like whenever you think, Hobbit. What would a Hobbit be like? You know that just kind of like happy-go-lucky, and but you know every once in a while you'd be like, oh, Bilbo's got an edge, you know, and he managed mm-hmm. to. Everybody can't do both of those. Some people can be funny, or they can be edgy, but everybody can't do mm-hmm. both. And, yeah, uh, um, he really did. I I play a lot of. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. This mm-hmm. is just what comes to my mind when I think about this. And, um, of course, that entire game is completely influenced by Lord of the Rings. And, and it's like what you said. Like, when you think about a hobbit or a halfling, as they're called there, but it's a hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that sense of, uh, of being whimsical, um, being brave, and mm-hmm. in, in front of all odds, um, intelligent, loving, caring, um, and, and like you said, a little edgy, a little, um, just a little bit mischievous sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, he was the thief and of course we never got to see him play like a young Bilbo, but. Except I, for in that I little, help... that moment, that flashback, right? Right, right. Oh, right, right. Except the flashback. But I, I, I like to imagine a, an alternate universe where, uh, you know, Years ago, The Hobbit was made, and 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 he played Bilbo, and I think um, and I think uh, oh, what's his name? Martin Who Freeman. Plays him in... Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. I was that's right. I couldn't think of Freeman. Yeah, I love Martin Freeman. I think he did a great job. But it all comes from from him. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Freeman's entire performance would be completely different, you know. Right. Uh, so. I, uh, that one actually did hit me. Like when I when I read that that he had passed, mm-hmm. it, it really sucked, and I couldn't help but think about all the great scenes and and great a great actor. Like he, just mm-hmm. him as Bilbo, mm-hmm. he had some fantastic moments of like snapping and getting angry about the ring, and 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 you could like the emotional toll was taken on him, and yeah. So that one that one really sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, no, we, we didn't want to start the show without acknowledging <clears throat> two of the greats in their field who have certainly enriched our lives as fans and our thoughts and prayers 
with their families. Moving on from that, what are we watching? Hmm. And I'm not even going to start this time. I'm going to let somebody else start. Are we watching anything <laughs> new? I see Andrew looking at Marisha. Marisha, are we watching anything new? Um, Let's see. We watched... Um, well, we did start the new Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I want to hear about that. I'm not sure how Andrew likes it. I, okay, have, so I haven't got much of a feeling two, for him. We're two episodes in. It's dark. It's a little dark. <laughs> okay, so I really liked both episodes. I liked the second episode better than the first one. What I didn't like about the first one is it felt like they kind of beat around the bush too long. And getting to the punchline, mm-hmm. it was like they just kind of had to stretch it out to make the episode long enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but the the story was great. Like it's um, yeah, they they went a little long on. He's a comedian, but he's not funny. Like right. by the time, and maybe they were just really trying to drive that point home. But did they ever? It was like, okay, this guy is not funny at... Like, by the time they, like, had made their point, you were like, no one should ever laugh at anything this guy says. He's the worst comedian ever. But, yeah, like I said, dark. But, I, you know, the, you kind of don't expect... You don't go to the Twilight Zone to see uh, rainbows and unicorns. Um, but I feel like... I, I haven't watched any of the the revivals... Of the Twilight Zone over the years. I know there have been a couple of rounds of reviving it, but I feel like this one hits on the feel of the original series really well. It does. The second one in particular, um, the first one gets there. By the end, it gets there. Mm-hmm. The The first one, I really felt like by the time we got a little ways into it, it was, it was a little predictable. The second one was just classic Twilight Zone. Yeah. And Which episode been... was the second one? Because they, they all, they're all sort of retellings of the original stories, aren't they? No. A few of them are? I, some of them might be, but I, as far as I know, they're original stories. The, the second um, one did deal with the plane, but there was not something right. on the wing. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. They reimagined the... William Shatner playing thing. They they mm. used some elements. I don't know. I, I, I think wouldn't they say... brought in some familiarity, but I would say that the story, other than being set on a plane, and the plane, you know, other than being on a plane, there's not a lot of similarities. I um, think that they're kind of maybe looking to the idea that re- he's upset. The character's upset because something's going to happen to the plane. So, yeah, yeah, I think they did some things to make it familiar, but the story's pretty different. It's almost like they're kind of taking, they're not taking storylines, but they're sort of taking like motifs, like snapshots. Mm-hmm. They're kind of taking, they're taking ideas, but they're definitely not reworking storylines as far as I can tell so far. And two okay. episodes in, they're doing some interesting things where the stories are not necessarily intertwined, but they've... So far, and I think they did this with the whole season, where they definitely all exist within the same reality. Yeah, like when we saw like a magazine with one of the characters from episode one in episode two. Right. Um, okay. Well, that's pretty cool because that's something the new Outer Limits in the early two thousands did really well was made it a connected world. Right. So they are working on making it a connected world, and and like I said, the the casting in it so far has just been. Incredible. 
So there are some really prolific comedians in this show, right? Yes, yes. Um, Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Yeah, he was like the really the most boring character on Parks and Rec, but he really pulls off the plane episode really convincingly. And um, the comedian Kumal Nanjiani. Yeah, Kumal Nanjiani Kumal. was um, in the first episode, and like I said, not. Um, and then I, I'm pretty sure uh, John Cho, right, is in one of the episodes we haven't watched yet? I think so. It's not in enough stuff. I love John Cho. Did you just say Adam Scott was the boring character in Parks and Recreation? <laughs> I did. Uh, do you mean that as in his character is boring or that he was a bad actor and was boring? No, no. His character uh, was oh, just then, not one of the. Yeah. His, his character just was never one of the more. He was the straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I just I don't I don't like the term boring. You don't like the term boring. Sorry. Not for not for my uh, favorite yeah, character yeah, Parks and Rec. You, you've, offend, you've offended an Adam Scott fanboy. I've offended you. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do have to say, um, I think that the Princess Bride shtick was one of the funniest things that Park and, Parks and Rec ever did. <laughs> but that's just me. But anyway, I like. I'm always skeptical of like, ooh, we're rebooting this classic thing. I'm like, why? Why do we need to see? However, like I said, when I initially saw the trailer for this, it was like, that's interesting. It played during the Super Bowl, uh, year before last, and it was like, well, and, I mean, the trailer was just really, really compelling, and um, mm -hmm. so far, I I think that they're really hitting all the right notes that you're looking for. In the Twilight Zone, and you know that's an accomplishment. It's it's sometimes not easy to recreate the magic that something so iconic um, managed to to capture. Two episodes in, I would say it's definitely a watch. Yeah, it's um, okay. It's it hits all the right notes at least so far, and its production values on it are through the roof yeah it's beautiful it's worth watching and having an opinion yeah. on at least so cool okay well what, what i've been watching this week really are the same two i keep mentioning i did actually finish my rewatch of avatar the last airbender and uh, we need to do a last airbender special one day that would be this fun. show y'all this show is so smart i am constantly impressed with it it was written for kids, but it also never treated them like they were stupid. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the best children's shows, entertainment. A lot of shows don't do that. Yeah, a lot of shows fall too far one side or the other, and they can't keep the mm -hmm. they can't keep the balance. This one does it beautifully. When they, I can't count the number of times they'll call back to something that happened in a previous episode with no exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they just trust the audience to be smart enough to know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, it sounds stupid to tell you a 40-year-old man identifies with 13, 14, 15, and 16-year-old characters in a show designed for 12-year-olds. But I do. Well, but that, um, all the best children's entertainment is just as worthwhile to watch as a parent as it is as a child. And I really but firmly I, you know, believe that. Yeah, but like Zuko especially, he just keeps making these wrong, the wrong decisions over and over and over. But he has these certain people in his life who will not give up on him. 
Hmm. Yeah. And it, that's a valuable lesson to teach anyone. And it's, it's, it's something I identify with. I've been through those situations recently in my life, actually. I just, I just, I don't know. We need to do an, a, an Avatar special, though, because I yeah. really do love this show. So, um, I'm seeing it's 61 episodes? It is 61 episodes. Those... Well, and it depends on how you break it up, because there are, there are originally aired 61 half-hour episodes. The finale is really a four-parter. Right. There's a couple of two-part episodes, uh, stuff like that. But yeah, okay. it's if you break it up into 30-minute episodes, there's 61. Okay. So, I tell you what, give me a couple of weeks. It won't take me long to watch through it. But I've never mm-hmm. watched it other than catching an episode here and there. So, let me watch it and we'll do an, we'll do an episode. Have you watched it, David? I, I, think, I think we should. And Andrew, you will love it. And I love the way the elements work and the way they relate with certain personality traits. And I'll, I'll never mind. I'm going to shut up because we're going to do a special on it because there's so much to talk about. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be good. So other than that, I'm still watching Stargirl. Have y'all caught up on Stargirl? Did you watch any so Stargirl I, yet? Well, did we, was there an episode last week? Oh, I think we watched it, didn't we? Well, I'm five episodes through it, so... The last episode we watched was the one with the kid with the car and the bad attitude. Right. Is that the most recent episode? The most recent episode ends with the four of them in trouble, and Pat drops down a stripe and saves them. Yeah, no. So Did you, you see that? We, we didn't, didn't watch that. Okay, so we haven't seen the most recent episode. Okay. But you have watched, yeah, so the kid with the bad attitude, Yeah, so you're you're only one episode behind. Okay. With you being really a, you know, such a a big fan of of the golden age of comics, which is kind of what they're trying to give us. Yeah. What what is the hook? What what is it that makes this show something that people should take a look at? The, The hook to this show so far has been its ability to capture the innocence of that golden age while at the same time keeping the stakes at a realistic level and 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 having that balance that's really been as you put it the hook to this show and of course going forward we're going to deal with modern versions of these golden age characters right i would like to see more flashbacks i will admit that more joel McHale. yep more joel McHale. Yeah. Also, though, I guess me having a little more knowledge of the characters that are continually referenced, I want to see some version of a Green Lantern. Right. And I don't, and I actually, as much as I love Hal Jordan, that's not the character I want for this show. I want a character who will sort of carry the legacy of what the Alan Scott green lantern was like i said a minute ago there was an innocence to the golden age um and this show's done a really good job so far of trying to give us that and i think using teenage versions of these characters still even helps with that right because they're not too jaded yet like you said a minute ago rick tyler's got a bad attitude but still though 
y'all haven't seen it yet, when you watch the next episode, you'll see whenever, you know, push comes to shove and shit really starts to go down, you know, it's a little different. Right. Um, Wait, which, which Green Lantern do you want to see then? Well, here's the here's the thing. I have no idea which character they may introduce and give the mantle of Green Lantern to. So I really don't. It, it, unless they introduce a character named Kyle and we get a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. Because uh-huh. we already know Alan Scott is dead in this show. Alan died the same time Starman did. He was part of the JSA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just mean that I want to see those sensibilities to Green Lantern in this show if we get one. Um I want to see Thunderbolt because it's been okay with the fact that yes, this is not the Ted Grant Wildcat. This is the Yolanda Montez Wildcat. But so far, we're still sort of carrying a golden age sensibility through the show. Even though they're not the even though they're the legacy characters, they're not the original golden age characters we're getting to see carry forward. It still has that golden age sensibility to it. And that's what I hope we can continue. And you still have to balance that with having a modern world consequence and a modern world level of stakes. If we can keep that going forward, that's where I think this show is different than things we've gotten before. It, it, it keeps the level of stakes high enough to be believable and be suspenseful at the same, while at the same time keeping a level of innocence that we don't see in the other CW shows. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I have, so, I do have a question that you might've figured out, but I have no idea. How does this show relate to the rest of the Arrowverse? And is it occurring? Where are, what, what time period are we okay. in? Are we earlier or are we? Where we're at is we're actually concurrent. All right. Crisis on Infinite Earths, yeah, Crisis took the shows we had running at that time and put them all into one universe. So what we've done here is this is now the only show outside of the rest of the Arrowverse. Okay. I am sure there's plans, well, I'm sure there are plans to bring it in eventually, but they're going to let this run for a while. By itself, which I think is smart. I think they should. Do, I think they should do that. Yeah, I think so. so. So, the Earths that they've like shown off in Crisis on Infinite Earth, um, yeah, there's there's like the main Arrowverse one with Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Superman, all that kind of stuff, right? But then at the end of it, they showed off a couple different other Earths that are like he said, running concurrently, and, and this is one of them. It's it's just it's the same time just on a different Earth. Um, there's also the Doom Patrol world they showed off some of on a different Earth, and there's the Green Lantern. I don't know if you saw that, Dad, but at the end of that, at the end of their big flash, of like at the end of their big montage, there was actually a the scene. It was a scene from um, I 2011. That, I know, but I'm just. It was a scene from a 2011 Green Lantern movie, and that was on a different Earth. And then we but also met. What I was referring specifically was specifically I was referring to the shows that are currently airing on CW. All of them take place on the same Earth except this one. That's what I was specifically referring to. There are other 
Earths. Well, yeah, like, yeah, all connected. Well, what they were doing there was the was acknowledging acknowledging all the other DC properties, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But other than that, have, have we been watching anything else? We talked about Twilight Zone, Avatar, Star Girl. David, you get anything new that you've been watching lately? Um, I watched uh, a couple uh, science fiction movies. So we were talking about it some in our pillars. That one of my favorite. Uh, aspects of sci-fi and this is big twilight zone is just random like one-off science fiction movies or or tv shows that explore weird and different ideas that can only really be tackled with the genre of science fiction i love movies like that i watch a ton of them Mm -hmm. and i recently found this one on netflix i I was recommended to me by like a youtube video i watch it's called the platform Hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's a Spanish film, and it's a science fiction dystopian film, and it's just about these guys. It's just, it's this prison, and all the cells are vertical. It's a super. It's just a tall tower, and every floor is a different cell, and in every cell there are two people. And to get food, the only way you get food is in the center of the cell. Comes this platform full of food. And it starts at the top of this giant plate of food. And the idea is if that everybody rations the appropriate amount of food and just take what they need, then there's enough for every single person in the prison to get food. But, of course, people on the first floor eat almost all of it. So by the time you get down to the lower floors, there's nothing left. And it results in cannibalism and and all that kind of stuff like that. And it's, you know, obviously the idea is like it's supposed to represent – the rich at the top, not leaving enough for the poor. And, uh, it's like snow month, top to bottom instead of back to front. It, it's like snow piercer. Yeah, it is a lot like snow piercer. Um, but, but the thing is every month, uh, the prisoners get a new cell. So you could at be at the lowest section one month and at the highest for the next. And, you know, the idea would be, oh, man, I was at the low floor, so I know what it's like to be at the bottom, so I'm going to save food for everybody. But, of course, what actually happens is I was at the bottom for so long that now I'm going to take everything from the top, just like they treated me badly. Right. And it's just this endless cycle of of that kind of thing. And and it just explores what that kind of does to people, and there's some more sci-fi elements to it. And um, it's like a science fiction horror. It's it's very Twilight Zone. It's an episode of Twilight Zone. And mm-hmm. so I love movies like that. So I watched that. I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's a great movie and, and um, you should definitely check it out. And it keeps you on your toes and you really don't know what's going to happen And as it explores. I love the different ideas and stuff like that and finding out what's going on. Those are my favorite movies to watch. And um, it being like one movie and then it's done and then I think about it and it's like a Twilight Zone episode. So I highly recommend the platform. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Awesome. I did think it was really interesting. Y'all, I want to let y'all know that Hollywood is listening to us. Because all the stuff that we (laughs) named in our novels, like two of our biggest ones, two of the ones that we agreed on the most, even though we didn't all have them on our list, but mostly because we felt like, you know, we all kind of figured somebody would have it, were Foundations um, and Brave New World. Yep. Uh, Foundations, of course, originally written by Isaac Asimov and Brave New World from 
uh, Aldous Huxley, two of the greatest sci-fi novels ever written. They're both on our pillars list for a reason. And it's something I think all four of us agree belong there. They're both being made in TV shows. And I will admit, Peacock has got me. I absolutely had no interest in ever having a Peacock subscription. Nope. They do have a and free version. Aaron Wright is John the Savage. Yep. Like, uh, oh my freaking God. And then, all of a sudden, they have to tweet Marisha and let her know, oh, by the way, it's free. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell you what, they're, whoever runs their Twitter is on the ball. They are on point. They are on so point. I will be, yes, I will be subscribing to Peacock. And I'll probably even world. pay yeah. for, I'll probably even do the, they, there is a free version. I'm not sure how much is going to be on the free version, but um, we'll be getting whichever one includes the psych movie and mm-hmm. Brave New World. Yeah. You know, right. and it's one of those things, like, I knew that there was something being made for Brave New World, but the trailer's incredible. But, it really is. Man, I had no idea that they were making Foundation. How I did, did I just I not have this, any no, clue? No, and I had no clue. This is actually how it started. It was Andrew texted me the Foundation's trailer. I'm like, what in the hell is this? And I opened that up, I'm like, oh my God, that trailer's amazing. <laughs> The next day, the Brave New World trailer dropped. And, oh, by the way, the Brave New World trailer is better. And yeah. I really like that Foundations trailer. I will, uh, I want to say I'm going to watch that show, but Apple TV is still, I, I have to go ahead and tell people and I will get, do not at me, okay? I hate <laughs> everything Apple. I hate it all. Uh, yeah. I hate I'm- iPhone. I hate a MacBook. I hate, I hate everything Apple. I hate it all. I want no Apple products in my house. My wife, we're house divided. She won't use anything but freaking Apple. But anyway, I hate it. But now they make me want to get Apple TV because that show also looks amazing. I still like the Brave New World trailer better, but Foundations is just so freaking huge that you are just curious how the ever-loving hell are they going to pull this off? Right. I mean, and the thing is, like, they understand that it's, you know, like, one of the things they're like, they talk and I, they talked about that it's never really been done because it's so huge and so sprawling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's promising. I mean, I Andrew says, I'm going to wind up spending as much on streaming services as I did on cable, and I don't think I even care. <laughs> We talked about that the other day. And the, I mean, I replaced my stream, my live cable with a streaming service. I got Hulu Live because that is cheaper than getting Dish or DirecTV. But by the time I supplement it with Netflix and Disney mm-hmm. Plus, and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But Netflix anyway, is going to have to up their uh, game in the sci fi yeah. department or they're going to get mm-hmm. dropped Netflix by us. Well, that's that may be true, but I mean, they're they're in the middle of doing the Narnia series. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, we can't. Well, I guess. Yeah. We got to see that. And then Hulu's doing I'll Hitchhiker's Guide. You. I I actually, and I said this one time on this show. I forget how long ago it was. I was just going to drop Netflix mm-hmm. when I lost Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Right. And I was just going to drop it, and all of a sudden they dropped a Witcher trailer. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
alone enough to check out The Witcher. Mm-hmm. And I checked out The Witcher, and I watched The Witcher, and I like it. And then they dropped Lock and Key after Witcher. And I'm like, like they keep that Netflix still has enough good stuff on it that I, and of course, I used it for my Avatar rewatch. And mm-hmm. uh, I did pick Last Kingdom back up again, and I really enjoy Lucifer, which is now a Netflix exclusive. Netflix still. Uh, just when I thought they were fishing to lose me, they yep. yeah, enough well, stuff. And Co- I don't stable. know if you've been watching yeah. Cobra Kai, but it, it's it's a Netflix exclusive now. It is now, yes. I did watch uh, some of Cobra Kai, uh, even when it was a YouTube show. I have not picked it back up on Netflix. Um, but yeah, Cobra Kai is a really good show. Yeah, I really loved Cobra Kai, and I, I didn't know that I was going to. I was skeptical. But it, it really looks like, I mean, I think Netflix, everybody is, has responded. You know, Amazon ran out and got Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Hulu grabbed up Hitchhiker's Guide, and presumably they were aware of all this stuff coming at Apple TV mm-hmm. and the Peacock. And so. It's a good time to be a sci-fi fan because everybody's okay. competing. Sci-fi to, and uh, fantasy, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's competing to put out the be- everybody's looking for the next Game of Thrones oh. sensation. Everybody yeah. wants to be the one to capitalize on that perfect storm. And uh right. as a consequence I mean but just I don't know. The the, the show I actually liked I wished somebody would have picked up at this point. I don't think it's going to happen because it's probably been too long, but I really enjoyed the Shannara Chronicles. And for a while, I was hoping someone like Netflix or Hulu was going to pick that up and keep it in production, but it just didn't happen. Um, And I think that was a missed opportunity for somebody was the Shannara Chronicles. Hmm. That kind of falls in this vein. I guess nobody else watched it. so I I haven't seen it. So. No, it was good. Well, I have to go back and find it. Watch it. <clears throat> so, Foundations, Brave New World, Michael Keaton's going to be in the Flash movie. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's, the last report was we will actually see him as Batman. He's going to be in the costume. Freaking dope. So, my first thought for this is, so the movie's called Flashpoint. And I know Dad knows this, but Andrew and Marisha, if y'all don't, in the Flashpoint comic book, long story short, Barry Allen goes to a time when Bruce Wayne's dad, Thomas Wayne, is actually Batman. Right? Uh, And he's like an evil, dark brooding, shoots guns. Um, He's Zack Snyder's Batman, but Thomas Wayne. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? And so, as y'all know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan played Thomas Wayne in uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. So my first thought with the Flashpoint movie was, oh, he's going to go to the Flashpoint universe and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to be there as evil Thomas Wayne Batman. Not evil, but like dark Thomas Wayne Batman. That's freaking awesome. Because of course he was the comedian, which is like, you know, kind of in that same way. Also, he's just in an analog of Batman. And, and so I just thought that would be awesome. Now what I'm thinking is they're probably going to do an adaptation of that same idea and just go to an alternate universe where 
it is still Bruce Wayne as Batman, but super, but he's super dark, and Michael Keaton's gonna be playing that. That's just my thought is, um, and that's what I think's probably gonna happen here. Probably what they're doing. Maybe both Jeffrey Dean Morgan and maybe it'll be like multiple universities hopping between, and we'll still get to see that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, um, Thomas Wayne, Dark Batman, which would be incredible. I have no idea. There's so many different things that they could do with this, and it's extremely exciting. And right. those are just my like initial thoughts of what the, what this could actually mean. Night Owl is more of a Batman analog than Comedian was, but anyway, y'all get my point. Yeah. Um, so, I grew up with Andrew and I both with the 1989 Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton, right? And He's still Batman to me. I'm actually excited about this, <laughs> except somebody had to rain on my parade of the day and point out the fact that we lived long enough to see Mark Hamill and oh, I forgot the other actor they mentioned, but basically had the couple of actors come back to, oh, they said Patrick Stewart, even though I liked Picard. I think we all pretty well kind of liked Picard. Right. But somebody pointed out Patrick Stewart and uh, Mark Hamill came back to reprise their characters for a character assassination, which I don't <laughs> think is completely fair. But no. it did kind of make me a little nervous. But I don't really know that they're going to do that. I mean, I don't know that you really can character assassinate Batman. There have been so many different interpretations of him at this point. I do think he's coming back as Bruce Wayne. I think we're going to acknowledge the fact that the Tim Burton Batman movies exist in this film's multiverse. And that's the Bruce Wayne we're going to get. Right? Right. Well, right. I, 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 in, yeah. in that case, I think it would be possible to to do a character assassination if you're saying this isn't a different interpretation this is that character from uh, those two a, movies yeah, that's a good point um i don't think that's gonna happen but i don't either is now this, i guess we just gotta you know like actually get this flash movie made so please tell me he's gonna be driving right. the tim burton batmobile that's really all i want to see oh, that's I, better. I, hope so. I mean like so. he's got to right because, I mean, that I wasn't... Be well, it's, it's definitely one of the most iconic film versions of the car. Yeah. Right? At, at least something that pays homage to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's got yeah, to have that same feel. Same yeah. for the suit. Like, it needs to be the suit that has... It has to feel the same. Like, it has to be, you know, obviously in the, the same person had to design the suit. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it has to pay homage. Because I love that suit. I mean... I didn't grow up with the Tim Burton Batman movies because I wasn't alive, but once I was, I did. I, I some of my earliest memories are of Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, specifically that one because I think it like terrified me and haunted me for years. Uh, <laughs> but I love the Tim Burton Batman movies and and for what they are, um, I don't think they're perfect by any means. I don't think that Batman is perfect by any means, but I love Michael Keaton's interpretation of bruce wayne he has so much character in those movies and i love christian bale's bruce wayne but to me the bruce wayne with the most distinct character is michael keaton's uh just the way that he handles the 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 dynamics of being batman and being bruce wayne and his bruce wayne is so interesting um the way that he interacts with people 
um, the let's get nuts scene. Like it's all it's it's weird and it's different, but yeah. it just really works for me for some reason. And the let's get nuts scene is really good. It's really good, and just even small things like whenever he's near the beginning at that party, and I think Vicky Vale says, "Oh, have you, you seen that Bruce Wayne guy?" And he's like, "No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't seen him around." And he just pretend, just for some reason pretends not to be Bruce Wayne, just because he's interesting, just because that's just what his character would do. And I think that's really cool, and I love that interpretation. My dream for the longest time would uh, would be. To see a Batman and Beyond movie with Michael yes. Keaton returning as Bruce Wayne, which That's... part of me thinks that might be a possibility. Like you know how like you know how Ragnarok kind of incorporated Planet Hulk because we're never going to get a Planet Hulk movie. Uh-huh. Part of me feels like we're never going to get a Batman Beyond movie. What if they take this opportunity to the universe that Barry goes to is the future and it's Batman Beyond and everything's gone to crap and. So you think we're going to get Terry McGinnis? And then, yeah, maybe get, maybe get Terry McGinnis. Maybe. I would love that. I think that'd be awesome. I also think Batman Beyond deserves its own movie by itself, but I think that's something they could definitely make work. Uh, maybe maybe this will inspire, wow, Michael Keaton was amazing. We need to make a Batman Beyond movie and get him in there as old, grumpy, man behind, man in the chair, uh, Bruce Wayne training Terry McGinnis to be Batman Beyond. I mean... That would be that would be a dream fulfilled. I think with the way the DCEU is currently working, I mean, when half the time you're not sure what's connected and what's not. Why not? Um, I, I, while I love the MCU for what it is, it's also kind of, you know, what DC has done is they can do anything they want. They're not hemmed in in any way mm-hmm. to doing that movie if they want to do that. Yep. How about, I mean, who would have thought that after so many years of kind of having fallen off the radar that Keaton would be like a thing again? I, well, mean, I mean, he, he never like really went away. He's he never, always been a terrific actor, but. But he, but he wasn't doing like Spider-Man and. You know, mm-hmm. no, but Birdman, an Oscar nomination will sort of put you back on the map. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and Birdman is a fantastic film, too. By the way, he deserved that Oscar nomination. Yeah, uh, it's just it's you interesting to see him saying, really showing back up. I mean, because he did everything in the nineties. Well, you know, but there's been a big resurgence of a number of actors that's true. from that era. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Nostalgia turns out they're still brilliant. Drug. Yeah, Keanu yeah. Reeves. Right? Perfect. Yep. Yeah. He's just um, sort of like made himself a thing again a couple of times now. He's talented like that. Yeah, but you know, and, like, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey made the word McConaissance a word. Like, <laughs> anyway, that had nothing to do with anything. Now we're talking about McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey is the new Batman. Uh, you know what? I would pay to see that. What about Bruce you Campbell, his that. old grizzled Batman? Because I would definitely watch that. Oh, that's cool. That'd be really cool. I'd definitely go in for Dude, that. I'd love to see a Mark Hamill. You know what? Let's do freaking Batman Beyond. And let's have Mark Hamill show up as an old man Joker. Hmm. Yeah. 
that's, that's uh, honest to God. If we did a, if we did a Batman, if we did a Batman Beyond movie, Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne, Mark Hamill, Joker, and you know what? Why not a Robert Pattinson, Terry McGinnis? I'd because watch that movie. Batman. I don't. I I don't care. Maybe maybe they'll throw us for a loop with this new Batman movie that's coming out. Is Terry McGinnis? No. Dun, dun, dun. I'd actually like to see a younger Terry. <laughs> Shaking younger. their head at me. I didn't mean it. Y'all don't I'm, burn I'm, me at the stake, please. I'm thinking like an even younger Terry McGinnis. Like I want like Tom Holland age Terry McGinnis. You know. Because then, boom, you got a franchise for yep, years. Not man. Tom Holland, please. Not Tom Holland. Tom no. Holland is a good Spider-Man that is not Batman. Please no, don't put that out of people's heads. Why not Jack? You, already know, you already know Hollywood listens to us. Hollywood <laughs> listens to us. They make some days in the brave new world. Please do not say Tom Holland Batman. They will actually do it. We have <laughs> we're we're an influence now, David. You have to use this responsibly. <laughs> With great power. Great power. <laughs> That's right. Turns out one of our three listeners has got lots of pull in Hollywood. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, it's Backyard TARDIS. Yeah, no, that's what that. it is. He's being so sneaky and stealthy on the internet, but turns out he's really a mover and shaker in showbiz. Right. I, I am really excited to see Michael Keaton as Batman again. Do we want to like, see old man Jack Nicholson Joker? But, but my, my issue with this movie is still... Are we even really going to make it? Are they going to recast Ezra Miller? Like there hasn't been a whole lot of buzz about any of that. This this movie really, other than Michael Keaton being cast, this movie seems to be in trouble. Yeah, this movie's been problematic for a while, and I don't know what the hangup on it is. I mean, so yeah, you've got an announcement that Michael Keaton is going to be Batman in a Flash movie. You do kind of have to go. Are we talking about the same movie that we were talking about a year ago? Uh, yeah, three years ago. Right. Um, uh, it's yeah, worrisome. This you movie know, just keeps that controversy with Ezra. Yeah, but it's like problem after problem after problem. Mm -hmm. The Ezra Miller right. incident is just the latest one. Yeah, you're right. You so, know, I don't know if they're going to recast them. I mean, I don't think they've had. They, I don't think they've said a single word. It's probably the smart thing for them to do, to be honest. I don't think they said a single word about Kate Mara. I don't. Or no, Amber Heard, not Kate Mara. Uh, Amber <laughs> Heard. Said nothing about Amber Heard uh, with her. No, I'm saying about Amber Heard. I don't know why I was thinking Kate Mara. Um, it was actually Heard. Really, it was a really pleasant surprise as Mara. Um, she was, but unfortunately, she's probably poison at this point. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, and it's sad. And like, I never wanted her in the first place, and I was skeptical of her when they cast her. And then it was a pleasant surprise. I almost wish I had never seen her in the role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because we're Which, probably interestingly, I wouldn't mind a recasting of Ezra Miller. I like Ezra. I think his flash is fine. It's one of the least offensive things about the, the <laughs> Justice League movie, but <laughs> he never felt like Barry Allen to me. I really didn't get the right vibes from him. I wasn't. I've never really liked that casting. 
Yeah. And so, of course, I don't... <clears throat> go ahead. Uh, I, of course, I don't like it when there's like controversy in people's lives, but my honest first reaction was, oh, man, are we going to get a new Flash? Oh, cool. Who could it be? This is exciting, you know? Um, I mean, I think he'd come back and would pull it off just fine. I just... Part of me kind of wants to see a different Flash. Right. So we're all excited about Michael Keaton, I think. That'll be interesting if they even get the movie made. Um, I feel like, did I kind of go over Foundations in Brave New World too fast? Um, I feel like Andrew's probably got a lot to say about Foundations, huh? I mean, as far as the trailer, I mean, I I liked it. Uh, It looks like they really went all out on their CGI work, which is good to see because TV shows don't always do that. They're not always given the the budget to do that. So, you know, like you said, the Brave New World trailer is just, it's more interesting. It's like, as far as foundation, I don't even know what you cram into the trailer Mm -hmm. to like help people understand the premise. Um, People kind of know what Brave New World is because it's kind of been, it comes up every now and then. But I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by Foundation. There's going to be a lot of people that have no idea what Foundation is and are going to be really, really surprised. And I'm I'm just, I'm over the moon that they're making that show. Now, it's, it's big. It's going to be, you know, they talk about... People have wanted to do this forever, but it just wasn't doable. And it's a lot of the same things as like adapting Dune. There's a reason that Dune has never had a really great adaptation. Hopefully, we're fixing to get that. Yes. Speaking Um, of, they got to give us that trailer sooner or later, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm waiting on. Like I, I expect that pretty soon. And the the thing with these two shows. Like Foundations is probably a more ambitious project than Dune. Yeah. Which I actually think it will work better in a TV show because there's so much information. Absolutely. Um, I, I will tell you, though, as far as the traders themselves go, and I said the Brave New World trader is better, um, but Brave New World is a more direct concept. That's easier to get across to people in a two-minute trailer what's going on. So it, it, it works better in form of a trailer. As far as the shows go, I expect them both to be really good. Mm-hmm. They're both really interesting worlds in their own way. Uh, they're both really interesting stories. They are two of the best science fiction novels ever written. Uh, people can make a case for either of them of being some of the best, some of the best examples of literature mm-hmm. ever written. So uh, I'm I'm excited for both of them. Yeah. But if nobody's got anything else, I think that's probably where we'll wrap it up tonight. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to say. I mean, we got a you know a little bit of footage from the new the new season of the boys. Mm-hmm. First thing well, we did, but and that it, was you know it looks like it's going to pick up where it left off. We finally got a poster for. Um, Umbrella Academy season two. Mm-hmm. That looks like it's got a cool, a few cool little Easter eggs hidden, hidden in it. And mm-hmm. but other than that, I mean, I, I think I think we've pretty much wrapped up the things we really wanted to hit on tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No. The the boys and the the uh, Umbrella Academy trailer. I, I did see that earlier, but I really kind of I expect us to get a little more information about those two shows before they hit, and maybe we'll talk about that then. But 
Until next time, Marisha, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at princessesandpadawans.com, on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans, and on Twitter at ppadawans. All right. And Andrew? All right. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Psy underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting our other show, Coruscant Radio Underground, every Tuesday. Uh, you can drop us a line at the sciencefictionary at gmail.com. You can check us out at the sciencefictionary.com. And as always, check out all of our podcast partners and friends over at the Red Five Network at redfivenetwork.com. Right. And David? I can be found on my YouTube channel, Creative D&D, where I do podcasts and all sorts of nerdy videos. And you can find me on Twitter at stay underscore creative DD. Right, and I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter, and we want you to check out this week's second episode. If you came looking for our Pillars of Sci-Fi, this will be our movies edition. So we'll see you next time.